Hi folks, Damien here, aka Irish Trekkie, and welcome back to another Nerdscape podcast. And with me today, as always, we have... The Trek Collector, Chris, and on my other side, and it's great to have these guys on our show. It was nice being on their show. We have the one and only Captain Foley. Hello, Stuart. That's, hello, that's me, everyone. Captain Foley from Trek Yards here, all the way from Canada. Canadaville. Canada. Canada. Um, yeah. Canada, yes. Yes. Kanakistan, uh, as it were. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we are here joining the, this awesome podcast, and we've got some great discussions for you today, I think. I'm, I'm here too. Remember, Team Track Yards, Kamala Cockins too. Hi. <laughs> nice, nice, confident introduction there. We, we, we'll never forget about you, Sammy. We'll never forget about you. You know, don't worry about that at all. And yes, Stuart, you are 100% correct. We have some cool discussion ahead for the next, hopefully, hour or so. Um, because right around the time that this will be going up on the channel, um, it will be the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. If you haven't seen by all the lovely little pictures I have in front of you, you, you can't really see it right now, but trust me, there's some beautiful imagery on screen. So we've decided to break it down, break down 50 years in an hour. Isn't that correct, gentlemen? Sounds about right. <laughs> we're going to try to. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to sort of reverse TARDIS it. We're going to try and cram everything into such a small... Yeah, we're going to TARDIS it. Yeah, Exactly. That, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good um, example, really. So um, we're going to do. Sorry, Stuart. Tardis is a, from Doctor Who. Stuart, it's an English thing. Because you're Canadian. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> Are you not a Whovian? Are you not a Whovian? I am. I'm a minor Whovian. Uh, a Whovian in training. Don't worry. Don't worry. Let everyone, everyone down in the comment section below, you know, just give Stuart some slack for you know not being hardcore Doctor Who. Anyway, I digress. I'm not English. Sorry. I'm not English. <laughs> I'm not English. <laughs> it crosses all lands with its timey-wimey goodness. Isn't that right, gentlemen? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I put Red the War first. <laughs> Just kind of well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. Here we are digressing. We're here to talk about Star Trek and we're talking about Doctor Who. The 50th anniversary of Red the War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Battlestar Galactica for the win. Uh, anyway, yeah, there is some fantastic uh, shows out there. But yes, let's get back on track. Our, our helm is way off course. And we're going to talk Star Trek. And um, we're going to start talking the series first. And we're going to hit it head on and go cr chronological order. And uh, we're going to have a bit of a general discussion about Enterprise. And then we all have picked our favorite. Well, we've all picked series and um you know you probably guess who's going to talk about what but we leave that bit of a mystery to you so gentlemen enterprise one of the most recent series not counting discovery um who wants to who wants to take the charge there let's what's the awesomeness about enterprise okay enterprise yeah it was the last tv series of star trek and it was very hard it, it was it was a slow show at the start. I think, you know, it wouldn't be one of my favorite series. Um, they got some things right and they got some things wrong. Um, oh, season one was very tough to get into. Uh, season two, it started to kind of develop storylines. And season three, then we had the Zindi War. I think they were kind of, got, kind of going back to the success of Deep Space Nine, looking for a beginning, middle and an end. And season four, which is a shame, like, you know, it started to get really, really good. And they started to clear up a lot of things that was wrong. My one pet hate 
about Enterprise was uh, Minefield when they introduced the Romulans because me for one I don't think the Romulans should have had cloaking technology at that time secondly as well and I think this is probably something I picked up from Facet which I don't know how I came across Facet stuff but to me the Romulan ship that kind of style of ship was at one point supposedly a stolen Federation vessel that was adopted so there's a few things there that was wrong with that episode. Um, and that kind of just upset. Little bits and pieces like that did upset me. But as it went progressed, as it went into seasons, I have to say, you know what I mean? You you formed a bond with the characters and the show to get better. And I, I was sorry to see it cancelled. And just the notes that I would actually say would be, like, if it was the list, my favourite episodes from each season, the Andorian incident, which was very, very good. Um, mm. Carbon Creek and Regeneration. Carbon Creek, a perspective of the Vulcan's first contact, was a great episode. We had the Borg, which I think Captain Foley's going to kind of agree with me. Is this how Enterprise <laughs> fits into the timeline from first contact? And they followed that up nicely, which was which was good to try and fit Enterprise in for some of the mistakes. Um, E2 and Season 3 was very good and Zero Hour. hour. Problem with Zero Hour was the ending, which was kind of just thrown into the middle uh, of nowhere. Uh, like Ent- Enterprise showing up kind of lost in a, this kind of alternate kind of weird time thing. Mm. Um, and In a Mirror Darkly, um, season four. Yeah. Uh, biggest problem again, as well, I suppose, would have been the temporal Cold War, which just kind of went nowhere. That's my tip and word mm. on Enterprise. Interesting. Over to you, Captain Foley. What to say about Enterprise? Well, not my favorite series, that's for sure. It came along and it messed with my established timeline uh including fasa and all the stuff we had between movies in the 80s when we didn't have a lot of star trek we had already established a certain order uh, as it were of um history we already know that there were five ships named enterprise not six so to pull in the nx01 really annoyed me at first but then like you said the temple cold war i thought hey they're gonna actually explain this it's perfect they have it all set up from the very beginning to explain why this doesn't fit and it went nowhere exactly like you said um same thing, season one, very hard to get into. I'm rewatching it now. Uh, season two gets a little bit better. Season three, the Zindi story arc tuned me right out, didn't watch most of that. Um, that's one of the things that kind of lost me, and I think that's one of the series' failures uh, and one of the reasons it might have got canceled. Season four did get good because they knew they were being canceled and they had to tie up all the loose ends and kind of do you know, the last four seasons of the show or, or whatever in one season. So it's a very busy season. Mm. And when I was reviewing all of the um, episodes from season four, I noticed that there's a lot of two and three parters, which I'm not a huge, huge fan of. Um, I I don't know. The, the story arcs just kind of bothered me a little bit, uh, especially the whole Klingon, why they look the way they do, really bugged me because, as we know from FASA, the reason that the Klingons look like that in TOS because they were genetically altered to look more human so they could infiltrate Federation space. There were also Klingons that looked like Romulans, but no, we had to go in and say it was some kind of genetic mutation and mm. doesn't doesn't make me happy personally. Um, yeah, I didn't really pick any favorite episodes from it, but I got to say, In a Mirror Darkly, part one and two are my absolute favorites because it pulls in my favorite era, which is TOS mm. and the Mirror Universe, which is amazing. So overall, not a huge fan of Enterprise. And like I said, the stories, the Zindi story arc really turned me off of the series and I missed almost all of season three because of it. Um, But like I said, I'm going back and rewatching it now. So 
that Samuel will be happy. I know that he likes uh, the Zindi story arcs. So, <laughs> and that's a great segue into Samuel. What do you think of um, uh, Enterprise? But it, there's, there's a running thing on on Trackyards if you check it out that that me and Stuart have a lot of similar opinions. And from listening to his absolute nonsense, I guess we have a, a lack <laughs> of shared opinions on, on Enterprise. Um, but I'll, I'll hit those at the end. So I have my own opinions first. Yeah, no, uh, obviously. Enterprise is sort of the weakest of the, of the five. Um, it was it was trying to be a prequel, but didn't really commit to being a prequel. The first two seasons sort of vaguely touch on other things, but don't really embrace it. As soon as you get to season four, and they have direct links to the the, the things that we love in the other seasons in other franchises, it suddenly hits these beats that are just incredible. So if they'd started off with this strong, confident leap into being a prequel, and then gone straight into the Romulan War, I mean that that narrative time is right there to embrace. And they just misstep on upon misstep. And just fundamentally, while it's not a bad show, it's just not a great show. And there's so many non-memorable episodes. I think season two had some better ones. I mean, the Borg one you mentioned, Carbon Creek, they took more creative risks. And it really benefited from that. I think people started noticing Enterprise in season two. And season three, I think, when they really kicked into overgear, when they really decided, let's make a story people are going to really delve into and really have you know texture every character has development every 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 emotion is is touched they have genuine consequences the ship is damaged every episode almost and you mm-hmm. feel that they lose 25 crew members of their 83 over the course of that season you feel that loss the ship is almost gone you know archer goes from being this plucky young guy who's not actually young but to this dark guy who even you know strands a crew season three is where it really gets real and having that season wide arc, you know, you feel the politics, you feel the, the you feel you know, the Zindi the, as, a, as a culture is an incredible idea, and the fact that they become they go from enemies to friends to to allies. I mean, it's just this amazing, complicated thing. But I think they did really, really well. And, and standouts for that are the the uh, episode where Archer is in the shuttle and he's faking as if he's a prisoner of Dagra. I think that was just as a single hour was an incredible piece of Star Trek. Um, and then just the final like six of that. Are really well done. Apart from the last thirty seconds of the, of the season, I'll give you that. <laughs> Nazis, well, it's Nazi zombies, but Nazis are a bit of a strange one. Um, and then season four, it really kicks into gear. Uh, I love the multi-part. They they sort of drag a little bit. It would have been better as mini movies, I think. Maybe add fifteen minutes per and then make them into movies. I absolutely adored the season four thing on why they become TOS looking. It, it it's in the gap. It actually gives us reason. It makes sense. It links augments which is pre-established in the early in the season i mean it all links in into mirrors some of the best trek of all time because it just is really well made and they captured the tone um and some of the vulcan stuff is great i mean overall that season really does well because they know they're being cancelled like you say and if they were going to go out with a bang they certainly showed what enterprise could have been um but it just took them a while what's the most impressive enterprise that they just had done and they just had done voyager which had better stories and to, to go from better story writing to then worse story writing it's mm. just kind of like, well, it, it was unfortunate, but I'm glad that the, 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 the drought of Star Trek is now over, and now we're, get, we're now getting back into Prime after 10 years, because now we get to be involved with Trek, whereas in 2004, none of us were, so it's a nice thing about it, being now. Well said, well said. You know, the three gentlemen have raised some very interesting points, and that's the beauty about Star Trek, it's all about perspective, because none of you are wrong. Uh, you're all right in, in your own ways. But <laughs> I, I would I would side on the side of Samuel there as well. To me, Enterprise is like the little train that could. Um it, it never it, it never found its own true identity. Like even though it had only short mm-hmm. seasons, it was almost 
like separate shows throughout each of the seasons as well. There wasn't any huge continuity. And I think it was bold for them to go back um, and have a retrospective look at Star Trek where before we had the original series, TNG, it was always moving forward. But they lost it when they didn't really anchor into what was already established. And like that, you're going to you're you're going to kind of warrant criticism from the fans because like Star Trek fans are like a lot of them are like canon freaks you know and I say that in a good way that um any any misstep on screen is just going to like create a maelstrom um out there but you know like everyone he said it started off slow it's kind of starting to chug along um I wasn't a big fan of how the Enterprise was like the little kid, like the real little kid on the block. How it wasn't just that they were up against a massive task, is that they were totally under equipped, under trained, under experienced as well, which we didn't really see. Like, we saw fantastic stories in all the other series, like meeting the Borg, you know, the Doomsday Machine, and being thrown into the Delta Quadrant. Again, crazy things, but we can definitely do it. We're not chasing our tails. But um, it, it was a shame that we saw what Enterprise could have been towards the end. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's again, the, the, little, the little Star Trek that could. But I wasn't the biggest fan of the very last episode. I, I didn't like Riker coming into it. I just thought that that's... I just thought it was a cheap trick. It, it took away from Enterprise. It's like the, the casting was generally pretty good in Enterprise and this is their show and then to have it like oh was it all a holodeck rerun you know it was kind of like oh here we have like maybe three seasons worth in just one episode as well but listen I I don't have a a better alternative to it maybe other people do in the comment section below but you know it's definitely a mixed emotion uh, TV show and um, I'd be very interested to hear what everyone else thinks in the comment section below about Enterprise but you know, I think all four of us kind of really encapsulate the spectrum of fans where people love certain things, people don't love certain things. And, um, you know, it's always good to have a bit of debate about it anyway. Well, I want to jump in there, link into your season finale thing. One thing Enterprise does prove is that with modern technology, you can make the 1960s sets look like a movie. You can make them look absolutely modern day and they can make when they rebuilt TNG sets look as good as they did in the, in the 80s and 90s. So if you did a, a new anthology with five episodes in each era, it would look as good now as it was designed to look. That It was one thing that it proved. Same with the CG of the ships and things. So that was nice. <laughs> True. Good point. Good point. So, moving on from there, um, I'm conscious that Stuart is the older of the group and he has, um, you know, he doesn't stay up that late <laughs> and uh, he's most experienced with Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> so, we're going to um, segregate our episodes now and are going to hand over the mic to Stuart to talk Tell us all about Star Trek, the original series, or Star Trek. Never heard of that. What? <laughs> uh, am I... Oh, uh, uh, no, sorry. All right, so TOS. Pardon of me? Of course, it is the best. It is the best. It, we're celebrating its 50th, 50 years now, so, I mean, it's amazing. Started everything, so that's all I have to say about TOS. That's why it's the best. Just started Star Trek. I'm beginning um <laughs> <laughs> yes um i mean it was a great a great idea uh a utopian future not a dystopian future which is what we get a lot of and between it and star wars they really haven't been matched as far as new new exploration into how sci-fi should be those two kind of set the bar for everything that followed 
nothing else has really come come into its own and really not kind of taken from Star Trek or Star Wars. And it was before Star Wars, so therefore it's naturally better than Star Wars. People are going to hit me for that one. <laughs> um, another reason, of course, that TOS is awesome is because it has the absolutely best Enterprise ever designed. Thank you to Matt Jeffries for that. He set the Federation aesthetic, and as everyone knows, the TOS Enterprise is my favorite, barring the refit, of course, because the refit is still the TOS Enterprise, just with the new skin. So, um, so great looking, a great looking look at the future and how we can be, you know, out there exploring. And I think it's, I think it's fantastic the way that it was set up. Uh, also the trifecta, we got Kirk, Spock and McCoy, all aspects of one personality that makes for really dynamic viewing. And when you really break down TOS, it's all about those three guys and their relationship. The other characters play very minor roles. And I think that's, not taking any way of thing away from those characters, but I think that's how it should be. Um, even James Colley, when we were at Treconderoga, when he was giving his little talk about Star Trek, said the same thing. It's about those three characters, and the Enterprise is the most important character because it takes them to where they to, to their different adventures. So you've got Kirk, who's the action and the the hot headedness, and you know the anger, I guess. Uh, you got Spock, who's the logic, the calming influence. And you got McCoy, who's the, the the heart of the team, very passionate, very the emotional, <laughs> emotional, um, uh, emotional mirror to Spock. Spock's so you know stone faced and stoic, and you got McCoy, who's very much yelling at everybody because you're not doing the right thing. So, and you got Kirk in the middle there, that kind of is the nice bridge between them, and he's the one. See, the good thing about being a captain is you can take advice and not necessarily have to actually follow that advice. You get all the input from everybody and you make the rational decision. So Kirk is there to be the kind of calming influence between those two. And he's really, he's, he, I consider the show to be about Kirk and the Enterprise personally, because Kirk's my, one of my heroes. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think that combination, they tried to reestablish that in TNG when we, they pulled in Pulaski she was very much like the McCoy but it didn't work a second time because you had McCoy, you had Pulaski you had Data who was a logical one mm. and then Picard but he's a little more complicated than Kirk but I don't want to we'll talk about TNG a little bit later but so I think that setup of the three of them worked really well the first time around and to re replicate that would be very very difficult because it just worked so beautifully the first time and of course, the fact that TOS broke a lot of barriers. Uh, we got, you know, different ethnicities all working together on the bridge or on the ship. Um, and they're represented having equal roles and being officers. That was ahead of its time in the 60s. Um, also, the fact that TOS, they tackled a lot of everyday problems and did it in a way that they could get the stuff on the air without the network having a hissy fit and melting down. Um, some of them were pretty thinly veiled as far as what they were referring to um episode like conflict wise or you know political environment wise but i think just changing somebody from half half black half white on the right side you know that is very obvious what they were doing and the network still allowed it because it was in the form of sci-fi and i think that was a great way to get those kind of things out there um because star trek is a worldwide phenomenon now so 
people all around the world see this and it's kind of a unifying factor. And I think that's one of the best things about TOS is that it really shows that we can work together and we should be working together as a planet. Um, so that's kind of my very serious take on TOS, all the good stuff. But now let's get into some more fun stuff. And that, of course, is the cool tech. We know that TOS has the coolest tech imaginable. It's cool. It's black. It's got the nice silver highlights, as Dax says. Very classic looking. And it, of course, developed the future of technology. They were predicting the future without even knowing they were predicting the future. But raises the question, if it wasn't for Star Trek, would these things have been developed? And if so, would they have been developed as quickly as they were? So maybe Star Trek is a predestination paradox. It had to happen for our technology to be the way it is today. Mm. But classic phaser, classic tricorder, classic communicator, can't beat them as far as I'm concerned. They are the, the tech that you need to have. Another great thing about TOS, mini skirts. Hello. I mean, those female uniforms, I don't want to insult anybody out there in the audience, but those female uniforms were stunning. I could never get any work done on a TOS ship, I got to say. Um, and also, there's no men in dresses in TOS, unlike TNG, where we get the, men, the man dress. <laughs> <laughs> had to be said, had to be said. <laughs> All right, so I've kind of broken down each season as far as favorite episodes go. I'm just going to kind of touch on them. I'm not going to talk too much about each individual episode, but I just kind of want to get my list out there. Season one, and a lot of you're going to find, because I'm Trek Yards, I've always been about the ships ever since I was a little kid. Um, I cared more when I went to conventions. I cared about the magazines, the shirts, the posters that had the ships on them. I didn't really care about the actors, to be honest. So a lot of my sh episodes, favorite episodes, kind of reflect that: either space battle or very ship-intensive episodes. So you're not going to see City on the Edge of Forever on here. Fantastic episode, great piece of fiction, great piece of sci-fi, awesome standalone episode. You don't need to watch any more Star Trek. You could watch that one episode and really enjoy it. But I could go with never seeing it again. It's it's good sci-fi, but it's not Star Trek to me. But anyway, okay, so season one, we've got the Corbinite Maneuver, where we get to see the first Federation ship, the, the Viserys, and it's huge compared to the Enterprise. I mean, it really puts in perspective, you know, how small we are in the galaxy. We think we're, think we're so technologically advanced, and we run into something like that. And it just turns out to be a little guy probably the only guy on the ship who knows because we never really saw any more of the ship the little little ship breaks off and you know who knows maybe the whole other big part was just the power supply i don't know <laughs> um next would be balance of terror fantastic episode uh based on submarine warfare which is very intriguing that's one of the reasons that star trek 2 i think stands out because it's the same kind of principle uh very interesting to watch it's got a great feel it's got the mystery of the romulans um, the cloaking device, new technology, new ship, which I love seeing, uh, and a cool-looking ship at that. Um, and just the whole, the intrigue is, is Spock affiliated with them because they look so much alike, and I don't know, it's a fantastic episode. Plus, it brings realism to Star Trek because we have the wedding and then people get killed during the battle. I mean, that's something that, that never really got touched on, I think, before that, um, very much anyway. Uh, next would be Tomorrow is Yesterday. Just going back in time, you know, uh, I think it's a fantastic premise for Star Trek. I love when they do that. Uh, so that's definitely up around my favorite list. And finally for season one, Space Seed. Primarily because of Star Trek II. I don't know if without Star Trek II if I really would have been 
that into the episode. Um, it is a great idea messing with the genes and how that's wrong and it can really backfire on you. So I think that's also another great take on what, why we shouldn't do certain things. So, but because it led into Star Trek two and it's kind of like part one of, of Star Trek two, it's kind of like the prequel. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. So now we move on to season two. Uh, we've got mirror mirror because to see anybody in their evil form is fantastic. You should see evil captain Foley. <laughs> most people most people do in the morning before I have a coffee um, so uh, Mirror Mirror was just uh, awesome to see a parallel universe and all the all the things that that opened up and brought about uh, the Doomsday Machine is another great one you know create a super weapon you're in a war you create a super weapon and it becomes it's so well developed and so engineered that it actually destroys both sides and that very much speaks to the nuclear threat that we had going on in the Cold War so I think that was a real great one as well. Um, plus the personal sacrifice by um, Cap or Commodore Decker um, to, you know, sacrifice himself to save the universe, I guess, or the, the you know, mm. the planets that it's heading for anyway. And finally, the show with Tribbles for season two. It's a fun episode. I always love the ones that are kind of funny and goofy. And then, of course, that spawned more Tribbles or... The Deep Space Nine episodes, Trials and Tribulations, sorry. Um, you know, fun episode, got to see more of the Klingons, got to see a space station for the first time, uh, K-7. Got to see the Klingon D-7 and the Constitution class orbiting around it. It's just fantastic. Some great stuff in that episode. Now we move on to season three. And as the seasons go, there's, there's less and less episodes I like. So season three has two, and then I'm almost done. So season three, we've got the Enterprise incident, which... Not a lot of people have on their favorites list, but I mean, we get to see the Romulans using Klingon technology because of the technology exchange, um, which is fantastic. We know that the Klingons most likely got the cloaking device technology they have from the Romulans as part of that whole thing. So that's fantastic. We get to see the um, po political intrigue again. Captain Kirk looks like he's off his rocker going into enemy territory, where it's actually a top secret mission that no one knows about. Steal a cloaking device. You know, we've got infiltrating the enemy ship, and it's great. I think it's it's one of one of my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes would have to be the Enterprise incident. Now we go down to season three. Um, oh, sorry, season three. Enterprise incident is season three. That's the first one. Um, next would be Tholian Web, which, again, another spe another introduce another species and some really cool ships, even though they're kind of simplistic from the original 60s, but... Um, and the fact that they are so different than us, they're you know, a crystalline entity and they live in such high heat. I mean, all that kind of stuff really intrigues me. And that's just one of my favorite episodes of all time is Tholian, uh, Web. So, but there's two more seasons that we might not, you guys didn't think I might touch on, which is the animated series has to be mentioned. Um, great. Again, to see an animated Star Trek is something that I think Star Trek actually works really well in an animated form. And I would love to see TNG or whatever be done that way. Um, but, you know, got some, most of the original voices back for it and got to introduce to some new characters like Lieutenant Eriks and um, MRS, you know, see some alien species on the Enterprise, which I think the 60s one's really lacking um, just because of it was cost prohibitive and whatnot. But um, that I absolutely love. So. Uh, some of my favorite episodes from that are more tr more Tribbles, more Troubles, 
gotta love the tribbles. Uh, time trap, and then how sharper than a serpent serpent's tooth, and the cl- counter clock incident. Um, all episodes which I feel would have translated very well to the live action. Uh, some of them are kind of some of the animated series are kind of goofy and, eh. but I mean it's still got very next step level writing as far as for being for a show done for kids. You know, um, I think it was actually done for the Star Trek fans, more or less. It wasn't really done a kid's show because the concepts in those episodes are just too much for kids to wrap their heads around. But anyway, um, that's it on TOS. It's just fantastic. And it started this whole phenomenon that we know as Star Trek. And I thank you. I thank Gene Roddenberry and every day for that because I'm surrounded by Star Trek all the time in my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for Star Trek, I don't know what I'd be doing. So there you go that's my take on tos nicely said nicely said uh, chris what do you think I, I, we couldn't have picked a better person to <laughs> yeah. you know, and you've made like where do you go from there episodes um yeah. you know i mean the ship is one of the biggest characters mccoy spock kirk and as you said just the trio just worked so well and jumping into the jj like we've seen that back in the last movie, which was absolutely fantastic. And I think the overall big thing with, with, with TOS is just kind of that sense when I was young and growing up, it was just that, it just put that moral, this is the right way to be. Mm-hmm. This is the way you should be. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you have three eyes or two eyes. You can have 10 feet for all anyone cares. Doesn't matter. Everyone has a soul. Everyone's the same. We're all one small piece in a big universe. Let's all work together. And I think that was the beauty of TOS. And it was great that they did these episodes back in the time. You know what I mean? And they got away with it. And it was like even still relevant, like coming to the start into the 80s, early 80s, like still with the Cold War threat and stuff like that. And you look at an episode like the Doomsday Machine was so relevant. So, you know, I, you know, it, it's always one of these. It was the first way how I got into Star Trek was reruns as a kid before TNG, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation came on screen. So to me, it's always close to my heart. And well done, Stuart. I think you did a great job. So that's my two pins on it. So exactly. Samuel, do you want to give us your little... Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was I was brought up on Star Trek just from three, you know, three years like you said, just well said, you know, the, the morals and just the idea everyone's together. That's always been part of my life. I think I'm, I'm a much better person today because I, I saw how normal it was you know, why would you think of any different than to have, have black, white, Chinese, Russian? Why would it be any different? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just being good humans. Um, but yeah, TOS, like I say, I mean, it, it's the definitive, it's the iconic. And like I mentioned in the Enterprise part, the fact that we saw the Enterprise sets look so good, the uniforms look so good, the props, everything worked, shows that 46 years later, where whenever it was filmed, you know, it still looked damn good. And fan films again today, the fact that you can recapture the same look and it, it, it also looks so good and have a place says that the, the TOS war was, you know, it, it was like a temporal convergent point between good writing, good quality. Just everything came together and it changed the human race, as, as Stuart also alluded to. I think, you know, it, it without Star Trek, there might be something to fill it, but it wouldn't be as good. And, and you know, it, it's I'm, I'm glad that through through being how old I am now, that I've met a lot of the original actors. I met Lenny Wood before, before he passed away. I've met William Shatner and Sean Nichols. You know all these people that I can have these memories. I'm in the right time in in sort of history because that won't necessarily be here for that much longer. 
unfortunately. But the legacy will always be there, mm. you know. And you can always tell a TOS episode on the TV. It's always got a style, and it's it's and it's still a great representation representation of the future. I think if every person in the world watched Star Trek from a young age, that'd be a great thing. And that in itself makes TOS you know, hit all the hit all the normal stuff. I think fundamentally TOS is a breaking all boundaries and all and all styles of, of of living sort of thing. That even if it was intentional or not, it's a one of a kind, and TOS will always have that. So, well said, well said, and like I, I can't really add anything more to it. It's all being <laughs> said, to be honest with you, you know, and yes. like Star Trek the original series, or however you'd like to call it, Star Trek. It's why we're here now, the four of us together, talking to whoever's watching this as well, 50 years later. All three it of is, you. <laughs> it is the Genesis 3, exactly. <laughs> There's someone else down here. Um, but uh, it's it's why we're here, and again, I think it, it does make people reflect on themselves and to kind of try and be better, because... There's, it's it, it's easy for movies and TVs and books to go down the dystopian route because I think mm. people kind of latch on to the horror stories and negativity a bit more than positivity. And um, Star Trek has always been about, you know, the the best that we can be, you know, um, even though it's set hundreds of years ahead of us. Um, it's still a reflection on us right now. And um, yeah, again, gentlemen, you've really communicated a great case there and for people out there that haven't watched it you know do you know if if you're on if you're anywhere you know netflix or it's on tv as well and there's the whole remastered version of the original series as well which maybe can make it a bit more accessible because again it is you know uh, many decades old now but i think it still stands the test of time and um, well it's 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 just worth throwing something out there me and my dad both choose to watch it in the classic we we don't really choose the original uh, the enhanced version. We if there's one I will watch, I'll just put in the VHS or the digital file I have to watch and the that, 60s. Yeah, and that's so, interesting because I prefer the remastered. All through all, all through my teenage years growing up, I keep kept saying to my brothers, "It'd be cool if they could redo the special effects and make it better." Yeah. And sure enough, that's what we the, got. The, so the, and don't get don't get me wrong, that, guys. It, it's not the perfect series ever. Uh, there are cheesy episodes and whatnot, and you got to get past those. <laughs> But that's like every episode, every season, every series of Star Trek. They all have their exactly. cringeworthy moments. The problem with Remastered, though, is that I see the space CGI. I know I could do better. And that's depressing to me. But it's... it's <laughs> and it's just like, I'm not very so you're talented. You're saying they have to remaster it again. Deadly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I've, I've, I've genuinely talked about this with Rob Bonchoon. We, we should redo Bounce of Terror and make it look actually good. You know, give it that real jazz that just doesn't have. But don't, but it, don't it doesn't you think... Need, but, don't you think that the the stuff that they have done to the show is done in a particular way that it still is a natural addition rather than being too well, advanced? Either, or... either you do it the TNG route, which is literally rebuild it, just looking sexy as anything. Yeah. But then they went, they sort of did it better, but it was off-putting how weird it looked. Like it, it's it's sort of wrongly advanced. Like you can do you can do a more classical. Yet sexier version, hmm. and they just they just didn't do it the right way. If I'm right at the top of my head, though, I think remastered now is ten years old. I think they came out for the fortieth anniversary. Yeah, so it is ten years old. So yeah. you know, it, but it, as I, 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 I think, and see yeah. credit where credit's great. <laughs> <So. laughs> 